0: Are you ready to be a better, more successful, and open-minded trader and investor? I'm Serge Berger, head trader and investment strategist at thestudytrader.com, and I want to help you get there. Whether you've been investing for years or are just getting your feet wet, this podcast will help you cut through the noise and get dialed in on the big picture. We will utilize research, guest interviews, and real-time analysis of the market. We're at a critical juncture in the market where knowledge really will mean power. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Steady Wealth Podcast. What we're gonna talk about today as we have just a few weeks left of runway in 2023, is what are the portfolio consequences if interest rates were to stay notably higher more or less, maybe the levels we're at right now, we're just a 45 to 5% yield range in the U.S. Treasury market. What does that mean from a portfolio perspective and also from a trading perspective? Let me kind of preface this all by, by saying that there's lots of arguments out there that I hear that this higher interest rate field is because rates are so high now, it's going to destroy everything. As far the, the way we're looking at it, is not so much the fact that rates are 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 notably higher now than they were two years ago. It has more, a lot more to do, maybe everything to do with the rate of change. I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding among at least some people that I come across in on broader financial media. In fact, if you go back far enough and you look at U.S. rates. Over a longer period of time, the four to five percent range is tends to be more of the norm than the exception. So it's not the absolute level of rates; it's the fact that we've come from an extended period of low, ultra low rates to now a more normalized range, and that ultimately is going to have far ranging consequences across asset classes. Let's start off, and I'm going to share the screen here for those people on YouTube, uh, for those people watching us in traditional podcasts. Do not worry; you're not missing a thing here. Uh, I'm just going to reference a couple of things here, and I think that would be something uh, uh, noteworthy, uh, both in in terms of visual aid here on on YouTube, but also uh, in terms of uh, what I'm going to talk about uh, So when I describe these charts. So let's first talk about the trading aspect of it all. What do higher rates have to do, if anything, with the more near-term stuff? I know a lot of you folks out there are, to some extent at least, consider yourself self-directed traders which of course makes a lot more, a lot of sense because having someone trading your account and having input that is more difficult than having an investing uh, relationship with someone. So let me share with you the basic thought here. So we're just looking at the S&P 500. Now higher interest rates by and large are going to mean that risk assets in general will be having applied a higher discount rate. I've been saying this pretty much all year. And I think the year before, so in 22, now here in 23, and we're almost done with 23, higher rates are going to have mean lower, lower returns for the most part for equities. Now, notice I'm saying for the most part, not for every single stock, there's going to be some stock that do very well, but they'll, they will be more of the exception than the rule. And again, that has to do with basic discount DCF modeling. If you ever look at a discounted cash flow model, if you hire have a higher multiplier, you have lower net present value of that. So, we think, just broadly speaking, we're going to see lower returns in the equity market. And the equity market, whether we look at the s p five hundred or uh, something else, has indeed now for the past two years really just gone sideways. So uh, that is factual. That's not making this, not me making this up. In uh, the September, in fact, in let's see if we go back to. Uh, November 2021, we were more or less at the same levels we, we are right now. Uh, in fact, uh, yeah, in early December of, of 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 two years ago, we were literally where we are right now. Equities have done nothing. Um, and we think that's going to remain the case. I don't think it's going to be a massive breakout in equities. Again, in a few names, that's possible, but that's going to be more of the exception. The rule. And good luck finding those names, by the way, is more to point. Now, before we continue talking about that and different asset class, let's talk more about from a trading perspective. So, From a trading perspective, typically what we'll tend to see when rates are at a higher regime like this, and again, particularly when the rate of change has been so markedly, mean reversion strategies will tend to do better. What does that mean? That means uh, using something as simple, and this is an overly simplistic tool, but like oscillators, there's different tools out there from MACD and we have a lot of proprietary stuff. That's fantastic. And that combines a whole bunch of things together, which I think is the best thing, but the uh, since sliced bread, but even from a very simplistic perspective, and I do caution, they're overly simplistic, but using like a MACD or a stochastic thing where we get measurements of whether a stock or an ETF or an ass another asset class is extremely overbought or oversold. They can be very useful. They are less useful when you have very strongly trending markets. So, I'm describing here a chart from let's say the year 2016 on to 2020. And for those people that are seeing this chart, you can probably see it. I'm gonna quickly describe it here for everyone else as well. But basically what we'll tend to see is we'll tend to see a lot more, a lot less mean reversion and basically less volatility in markets that are strongly trending bring this up again. If we look at a low interest rate regime, uh, again, for example, we had uh, 2010, 2012 into basically the top in 2021. Yes, there were some shocks like COVID, but that lasted a few months, a couple other things along the way. But for the most part, it was not a great time to be trading for mean reversion. It was better to stay long. When you go into a markedly higher interest rate environment from a trading perspective, and this is a lot of this is more it's both the mechanical aspect of it, but also the psychology. I see a lot of people still basically all they have is breakout strategies and guess what they stopped working two years ago. They're still working on a couple of stocks, but it's about it. And I say a couple instead of obviously a handful, but for the most part, mean inversion works better. So mean reversion strategies, so basically meaning shorting something or selling something once we have a, once you had a sharp rally and then maybe buying again, once, once it has a sharp sell off is on average a better strategy when rates are, in absolute terms, much higher than they were for, in this case, the past decade or so. So from a trading perspective, I think this is also very much going to be the case as we had in 2024, I see a continuation of that playing out where, again, it's not so much just being long assets and or equities, it's really about playing the mean reversion, right? So it's a higher probability to sell or short into extreme rallies and a higher probability as well to buy into sharp sell-offs for trades, for trades. Because ultimately, and it's very simple because ultimately things go sideways. Again, the S&P 500 for the past two years has literally uh, just gone sideways. So I think that's an important thing. And a lot of people that are long assets did okay this year, particularly long equities, long S&P basically, right? The equal weighted stuff didn't do anything. But the regular S&P, and it's masked the fact that they're doing, that they've not done well with chasing their tra- ch- chart breakout strategies, which by and large, again, except for a few dozen stocks or something like that, have really stopped working. Overall, it doesn't mean there couldn't have been a good trade here or, or along the way, but that's, so I think that's an important message I'd like to, uh, I'd like to, to, to pass along. Other stuff. I think bond prices typically, typically fall. So now we're talking about equities, talk about bonds. Bond prices tend to have a more difficult time in the initial stage of equities, equities basically going sideways because rates have had a shockingly higher move. So I'm going to bring up the chart here of just the the treasury yields so people can get their head around this or just even just treasury prices. As are the two-year or even the 10-year, let's look at the 10-year bond and I'm going to describe this here doesn't look as terrible on on the chart here but 10 year uh, bond prices haven't really done anything in fact if you look at this through the lens of an ETF like the TLT ETF might be a bit more apt to to make sense of this what we're uh, seeing or showing here is a, a a strong decline in the price the absolute price of, of of bonds however when once rates begin to stabilize and this is really the forward looking message here in, heading into 24 the bond market becomes increasingly attractive, not necessarily because we're, one would expect a massive rally in bond prices. Remember the, this podcast here is about what happens if rates remain elevated. Then the bond market may just go sideways, but remember, it's gonna yield a lot more. So let's take a treasury note around five, two, two to five years. If that yields us 5%, that's pretty darn good on an annual basis. We want to keep that in mind. I think that's extremely attractive uh, as an alternative to equities, or certainly because there's less. We have to be less picky about which which part of the bond market we choose. As uh, long as we stay with an investment grade, let's say. Let's not go too much into non investment grade. That's a whole. That's another ball game. But I think the bond market has to be looked at through the lens of income and not so much directional uh, movement. I. Way, way wrong the way early thought that back in twenty two yeah or the more heading into the summer late spring summer twenty two that we would see a mean reversion in bonds we didn't mean meaning bond prices continued to go down and bond yields continued to go up. I still think we'll see mean reversion in that. I think bond yields will come down, but i, I again the the point of this podcast is to imagine what happens to bonds if the bond levels if the yield levels remain somewhat high so that might just mean more than three percent right it would be opportunistic to be a buyer of bonds here and i'm talking more about the treasury market and basically u.s investment grade european investment grade as well i would throw in there makes it very attractive not only for a potential price appreciation if rates come down but again just the absolute price levels that's what happens to bonds on the in the equity market this is really important just going back to stocks now high dividend stocks. I have come across way more portfolios this year when I talk to prospects for our investment advisory firm, Blue Marlin Advisors, that are completely chock full of high dividend paying stocks. High dividend stocks face pressure as fixed income alternatives become more appealing. And so not only have we now had a shock to interest rates or rates go a lot higher, so high dividend stocks have basically they haven't gotten totally decimated, but they've become a much less attractive. And I think that's going to continue to be the case. There's not a case against dividend-paying stocks. It's just saying, hey, there's now an alternative out there. So basically, an alternative that's essentially risk-free, let's call it the three-month U.S. Treasury note being risk-free, that alternative is becoming a lot, hell of a lot more attractive versus dividend stocks just because there's less risk at least the way the financial system looks at it Uh, particularly growth stocks as well that have that are interest rate sensitive may experience higher volatility as well so you think about that if rates remain at levels that are quite elevated at least elevated looking back 10 years then there might be a heightened sense of volatility that we have to deal with once again once people come to that realization i still think the rate market right now is pricing in about four cuts and i do think actually there will be some cuts but it'll still come with more volatility real estate that's really depends on what kind of real estate we're talking about every real estate market is a bit different but i'll quickly share with you just a chart for perspective with the xlre this is an etf that represents the s p 500 real estate sector it's peaked to trough as i'm recording this here in the latter part of november 23 it's down about 30%. We had a, a drop as much as almost 40%. And again, that makes sense because alternatives to real estate. So there's, again, multiple ways of looking at this. Alternatives to real estate are becoming more attractive. We have higher interest rates. Again, think about the risk-free rate, what that means. If if I can make 5.5% risk-free, maybe throw some option strategies around that or go a bit further on the risk curve on on, on the, in the fixed income market. Why would I have to buy real estate that looks shakier and shakier because of the higher rates where they have to refinance at some point where I can get, if I'm a little bit creative, make seven, eight, nine percent with very little risk because rates are so high. So real estate too, again, depending on the sector, this is not an all encompassing real estate. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting thing in real estate, but think about that. And it's all because the overarching message that I'm, I'm bringing across here, or I'm hoping to bring across is if rates remain somewhat elevated call it in the four to 5% range for an extended period of time, people with every month that goes by, will start to think more and more about, and so people are still waking up to that, by the way, still, what does that mean? How much more attractive is this risk-free rate or nearly risk-free versus the risk I'm taking somewhere else? Especially if, if, if inflation comes down as it has, and it may resurface at some point, but right now we've got a positive carry on a lot of these trades. Meaning if I make 5% on a treasury note and I have 3% inflation, that is a positive carry of 2%, meaning a 2% real positive interest interest that I'm collecting. Commodities are more challenging and, and I, I want to be careful in going too down too deep down this rabbit hole, but let's think about gold, for example, gold will tend to do okay if real interest rates become more negative. And I think that is likely or or less positive. That's likely gonna be the case. However, we could also see gold be something that it takes time for this thing to kick in. But in the meantime, as people wake up to the fact that gold, which doesn't pay a dividend, is less attractive than getting risk-free yield at 5%, there could be some give and take that people Value gold as okay on the one hand it may have upside potential on the other hand i can take money that's sitting in gold that's not yielding me anything because gold is a lump of metal right doesn't give you a return no dividend i should say what if i take some of that money and put it into bonds? again i do actually think gold will be okay here there's a, a bunch of other dynamics here but that's something to keep in mind as well and that kind of gets us into cash now cash and in general, cash equivalent assets are probably um, the ones that are benefiting more here. So there's a saying that's been out there for a while, cash is trash. Cash has become a king again in many ways. If you think about cash and short-term instruments can really benefit from short interest rates rising because they offer higher yields, as I just said, without the price volatility of long-term security. So if I were to sum up everything I just said it's about the de-risking one can do now, given where rates are. So as we head into 24, if I were to summarize this, I think there's going to be still very little upside in equities, which has our, been our base case for the past two and a half years, has factually occurred for two and a half years. I think the bond market will begin to stabilize, but unless there's a real interest rate cuts, obviously we'll have not as much upside, but still very attractive because of the higher yields. Cash really is probably where it's at. To some extent that the, I do th- I think there's always pockets of risk taking and then last but not least, let's think about what this means, just going back to where I was before on, on on more on the trading side, think about what this means from a trading perspective. again, I think a lot of people are still in this mode of basically chart chasing. I would really encourage people to stop the chart chasing and think more about mean reversion strategies uh, for really. At this point, uh, I'm going to say for 2024, just I think that was the case for 2023, there were, there's very few stocks that really did great. Most of them have basically just been really good mean reversion trades. So think about this, like putting a big collar, or if you're an options person, putting a, an iron condor on the S&P 500 would have probably been a hell of a strategy this year uh, in 2023. So I think something similar uh, could be the case for 2024. So hope this helps folks have a great rest of your day whenever you are and um have a great holiday season as well